are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. What about Bailey Spindle and Andre Lead? Huh? Yeah? So you got to check Andre Lead out, okay? Check out Andre Lead. Not now, but later. Check him out. Follow him. Listen to his music. Good stuff. Hey, I love one thing about being a part of a community of faith is that I'm not alone. I'm not doing this thing by myself. And in the fall of the year, we offer things in additional to what we typically offer. We call them electives. I just feel compelled before I start preaching this morning to say to you, if you're in a season of your life where you could use some real good financial coaching, we have, a, we have an elective called Financial Peace. It starts tonight. I would do anything I could to help you get into that event tonight. If that's something that would be good for you, or if you've just never gone through it, I'm telling you, go through it. You're going to learn something that's going to change your future financially. And so I'll be in the foyer today if I can help in any way. Also, we have a community Bible study, which is awesome Tuesday mornings and Wednesday nights. We have a lot of stuff for family. We have one called A Starved Marriage. If you want to go just have a better marriage, this would be for you. Divorce care, uh, divorce care for kids. And then we have this thing to help you focus on your one-on-one time with God called Devotional Classics, taught by Don Dunnington. So check those things out. They're all coming up right now. A lot of them start tonight or Wednesday night. And then tonight I'll be meeting with another group of people in the atrium. We had about 300 there last week to talk about how can I better share my faith. And so I'll be with you tonight if you want to join us. You don't have to sign up. Just show up. Just be there, okay? So I was walking out of a store one day in a shopping center. And there's this group of people coming toward me. They're younger than me. They're all eating an ice cream cone. They start yelling at me, hey, that ice cream store back there is giving away free ice cream. One scoop is free. I said, oh, okay, thanks. So you know what I did? You think I got a scoop of ice cream, don't you? No, I got three scoops of ice cream. First one was free. I just bought two. I don't think they they knew me, and I don't think they were, like, deciding who they were going to share this news with. I think it had nothing to do with the fact that I was tall and handsome. I think they just decided, we got some good news. We want to share it with everybody we see. And so they just said, hey, you should go get ice cream. So when you have really good news, who do you share it with? You remember this story? Jesus meets this woman at a well in a Samaritan area. While he was in Samaria, and, and, and she has this life-transforming conversation with Jesus. It just changed her life. And so she goes back to town and she tells the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And so a lot of the people went out to see Jesus. And John says a lot of people became followers of Jesus because of this woman's story. And so here's what happens to me. I don't know if this happens to you, but when I read the Bible, do you ever do this? Do you ever say, so what what did that look like? Right? So was she like going up to certain people saying, hey, come here, I have to tell you something. If you go out to the well, you can meet this guy who can tell you everything about your life. Or was she just walking through the streets saying to everybody, hey, 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 you guys, you got to go out to the well. There's a man out there. He can tell you everything about your life. Or was she like, you know, going to certain homes, knocking on the door, 
And, and was she in the streets kind of telling one person? And when somebody walked by, I said, what are you telling them? Never mind, I was just talking to them. So was she selective? Because it feels like to me she was just going, hey, you guys, you got to come and meet this guy. It's nuts what he can do. He changed my life. See, this morning, I, I want somehow to you, you to help me and, and me to help you understand who, who gets to hear this really good news about Jesus. So this, this news that Jesus wants to invite everybody to become a part of this kingdom that He's establishing on earth, right? And that if you come along, you can like start your life almost over again. It's like all of your past sins get forgiven, get wiped out, and you become this new and better person. It's like being born again. Who gets to hear this stuff? And so for those of you in the room today who would say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. If that's your story, who gets to hear your good news? Or maybe I should say, if you're going to tell people about Jesus, who do you tell? And so do you have the idea that everybody gets to hear, or are you pretty selective in who you talk to about Jesus? So last week, I shared with you some words from a guy whose name is Paul in the Bible. And and here's what he says. He says... Uh, in this conversation, I have become a slave to all people. He became a slave to who? Oh, there was a lot of energy and excitement in that. So maybe we can build as we go. So that I can bring many to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. He tries to find common ground with who? Everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. So this guy kind of mesmerizes me a little bit. Here's what he does. He leaves everything that's comfortable and familiar to him. And he leaves his home. He goes to other parts of the, of the world, other countries, other regions. And he, and he just wants to tell people about Jesus. He wants everybody to come to know Jesus. And he doesn't limit it to only people who are Jews. And he doesn't limit it to a certain class of people. He just goes and tries to tell everybody about Jesus. And so I'm wondering, why was he so bent on this idea that everybody gets to hear this good news? And then I realized that Paul was nuts about Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. He was crazy about Jesus. He was so consumed with Jesus. He was so concentrated on everything that Jesus was saying. And I understand where Paul got that was from Jesus. Look at Jesus' words, will you? Here's what Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to... Everyone. Then in Luke, here's what Jesus says. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, Then He sent them out to tell about the kingdom of God. And then I'm going to focus here in John 3 today, okay? In John 3, who believes in Him and He's talking about Himself will have eternal life. And then John adds a commentary. For this is how we, how rather God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that... Everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. So my wife is sitting here. Her name is Annette. Thank you. You got a shout out, baby. We were eating dinner the other night with some people we really don't know well. So her name is Lena. His name is Kendall. And they moved to Oklahoma City recently for her job. 
So she works next door at the university, Southern Nazarene University, and her, her job is the vice president of intercultural learning and engagement. So Lena has lived most of her life in the United States of America of Eastern India descent. She's really into diversity. So as we were having dinner, I said, Lena, you showed us this video back a couple of months ago. And I want to talk about it Sunday. You're okay with that, right? She goes, oh, please talk about it. Get the word out. I'm passionate about this stuff. So I'm kind of wondering how you're going to hear this. So I'm, I'm looking over here and I'm seeing a youth group that is awesome. Okay, thanks for waving. So I wonder how you're going to hear this today. So I'm, I'm really focused on you guys. Because I think maybe we should be learning some things from you when we come to this idea. So she, she talks about this Nigerian young woman whose name was Ngozi. And Ngozi said, I was raised in the country of Nigeria, born into a conventional middle class family. My dad was a professor. My mother was an administrator. She said, when I grew up in my home, we had housemaids who came in and cleaned our home and made my bed and cooked our family's food. That was my life growing up in Nigeria. She said, when I moved to the United States to attend a university, my college roommate had only lived in the U.S. and never traveled out of the U.S., and she was really surprised when I spoke English to her. In fact, she was shocked to learn that the official language of Nigeria is English. She said, my roommate had put all people from Africa in a single story. She assumed we ate mush three times a day. And assumed I wouldn't know what to do with an electric stove. She saw me as a person who probably could never relate to her as a human equal. And she asked me if I would play her some of my tribal music. And so I did. And she was surprised to hear that it was Mariah Carey. <laughs> she said, I suppose, if I had been raised in the United States and never traveled out of the country, I might too assume or see Africa as this country with beautiful landscapes and animals, but full of uncomprehensible people, fighting senseless wars, living and dying in abject poverty, needing to be guided desperately by people who are smarter than them, waiting for kind white people to come and save us. She said there's real danger in a single story. The danger is that we stereotype people and we put them in categories and sometimes we then just put them on shelves. And we don't see people for who they really are. We have to be intentional to hear someone's complete story. Okay, so I watched this video.
And I'm sharing this with Lena the other night, Dr. Crusoe. And I said to her, I go home after watching the video. And the next few days I'm having conversations with God about it. And what I did was I admitted to myself that I limit people to single stories. I do it all the time. I don't listen for the whole story. For example, there, there's one person I had in mind that, 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 that I felt really bad about. It's a person who had a job, worked for an organization, and I felt like he made a very poor decision that affected that organization long term. And all I ever thought about that guy was, he's the guy who made the bad decision. I never stopped to think that he might have kids like I have kids. Or that he might be a grandpa like I'm a grandpa, and that he might love his grandchild as much as I love my grandchild. Or I never stopped to think that he may be a much more caring and much more compassionate person than I will ever dream of being in my lifetime. Oh no, he had a single story in my mind. He's the guy who made the bad decision. And I just left him on that shelf. Do you know what was even harder for me to admit to myself? That sometimes I give people single stories based only on their appearance. I look at a person and I give them a category and say that person must be blank. And all I've got is a glimpse. You know what the problem is when you're a Christian and you limit people to single stories? Is that you make really bad assumptions. Because you truly don't know the person and what you begin to assume are things like these. Uh, I, I, I don't think that person would ever want a friendship with me. Or we sometimes make the assumption, I can't imagine that person would ever want to know Jesus. And what may shock us is that they know Jesus at a much more intimate level than we could ever dream of knowing Jesus. And here's the real problem with it all. Is that long before you get to John chapter 3 where Jesus has this conversation with a guy named Nicodemus, and he makes this great declaration that the gospel, the good news, this invitation to set at the table in the kingdom of God with Jesus, to have this brand new start on life, to get all of your past sins forgiven, and to become a better and new person. It's like being born again. Before Jesus ever says that, when you get to chapter 1, we get words like this, but to all. It's this kind of everyone and all people and all of that kind of language. All who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. And you understand that this really good news is not for people who are only like me. Or this good news was not just for people who grew up Jewish in Jesus' day. But this really good news is really for all. For everybody. So I think you probably know a little bit about the story of Nicodemus. At least, maybe you know a lot about the story. 
He's a Pharisee. You might say, what does that mean? That means that he believed his full-time job was to please God. Okay? He gave his whole life to keeping the Torah, the law. He wanted to honor God so bad that he wanted to do it right. And so when he comes to Jesus, he says... We know that you're special. We know that you're not like everybody else. We know that you've come from God because nobody could do the kinds of miracles that you do unless God was with him. I mean, we're watching you, Jesus. We know there's something about you. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you want to sit with me at the table in the kingdom of God, if you want to be part of this family that I'm pulling together here on earth, then Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Now it gets comical and he says... Okay, I know I can't enter my mom's womb and be born a second time. That would be strange. And Jesus says, no, I'm talking about something even beyond water baptism, which John was doing. That's an outward sign. I'm talking about being born of the Spirit. I'm talking about becoming this new person, this better person. I'm talking about a new life. And it's in that conversation that Jesus gives us this information that this new life is not just for a certain race or class of people. It's for everybody. And so when you ask the question, who gets to hear the good news? Nobody gets excluded in Jesus' mind. Everybody gets to hear it. Everybody gets invited to sit at the table. So I'm going to be confessional with you, okay? I'm going to tell you about some things that bother me as a Christian. I don't like it. I can't help it. I don't like it. I'll never like it. I don't like it when people give me or limit me to a single story. Okay? I live in 2018, United States of America, and it bothers me when people say Christians are judgmental and hypocritical. I don't like that story. And when I hear it in media, it really bothers me. I don't want that stereotype. Christians are judgmental. You know what Christians do? Christians just tell everybody else they're wrong. That's what Christians do. Christians point their fingers at everybody else and telling them, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You shouldn't do that. But there's more to the story. They add to it that not only are Christians judgmental, telling people what they can and can't do, but Christians are also hypocritical because while Christians are telling others what they should and shouldn't do, they themselves are doing things they should not do. So they're hypocrites. So not only am I judgmental, but I'm a hypocrite in the eyes of some people. And I hate that story. And here's what really hurts me. It doesn't hurt me in a selfish way. It hurts me in a different way. When people say that people like me are full of hate. When they say, you know what else Christians do? They hate people who are gay. Or when they say they hate people who are really liberal. And I just want to scream out, no, you don't know me. That's not who I am. I don't hate anybody. And I'm not judgmental. And I don't believe I'm hypocritical. And if there's any hypocrisy in my life, I believe the Holy Spirit tries to show that to me and I try to make it right. 
You just don't know who I am. Now here's the problem. People who believe that about Christians are not beating my door down to try to get to know me. That's why I think Jesus told us we should go to them. That, that's why I talk about living like this. And so when we talk about open arms around here, I, I hope you understand me. I, I'm not talking about you going up to somebody you don't know and in ten minutes inviting them to your church. That's not what it means to live with open arms. Or to try to talk to somebody about Jesus that you've barely met. When we talk about open arms, we're talking about really becoming friends with people. Long-lasting friendship. Whether you ever come to my church or not, you will be my friend. In fact, I might not invite you to church. You might invite yourself to my church. That would be great. I may not feel that that's where God has me right now in this relationship. It's really about getting to know you and really investing in your life and really becoming your friend. A long-term friend because I care about you and I love you and you matter to God, so therefore you matter to me. And I want to invest in your life. Now, now here's where we struggle. So I'm just going to warn you, this is going to, this is going to, you're going to feel a slight pinch. This is going to sting, okay? This is going to hurt a little bit. Here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Do we want to connect with people more than we want to correct people? So... So if there's someone in the room that says, you know what, Rick, I'm just going to be honest with you. People who are really different from me, I don't want to connect with them. I don't want to be their friend. I don't want to get to know them. I just want them to get it right and quit messing up my world. Do you really want to get to know, become friends with, love deeply people who are different than you? Or do you just want to correct them? I'm just going to be honest with you. I think the reason we get the rap that we get is because of this. And people don't sense this from us many times. You know what they sense from us? They sense this. And what if the narrative could change? What if the narrative was this? I don't agree with Christians about everything, but man, they love me. They really want to hang out with me. They're real friends. Well, I told you last week that I listened to a sermon by a guy named John Maxwell. And um, I thought he had something interesting to say. He said, I'm going to leave this here for a minute, okay? I'm just going to, you might want to write it down. Find the 1% that you agree on. And give that 100% of your effort, okay? Just, just focus here for a minute. So, so can I find common ground with somebody who is very different than me? See, I, I believe I can. That's what Paul said. I try to find common ground with everybody. I'm, I'm going to find 1% that we agree on. And I'm just going to give 100% of my effort to that, that right there. 
I, I know I can find something in common with everybody, right? I'm going to find 1% that I agree on, and I'm going to give 100% of my effort to building a friendship through that one little piece of common ground that we share together. But Maxwell said, instead of doing that, this is what we do. Instead, we give 100% of our effort to the 1% we disagree on. Instead, we find ourselves giving 100% of our effort to the 1% we disagree on. And what we end up saying is, okay, Facebook friends, here we go. I have found something to disagree with somebody on, so let me just unload it right now, you know. And we just stay focused on division. Paul says, uh-uh, not me, buddy. I try to find common ground with everybody. This is the way that Jesus lived. Do you understand? Do you understand that, that when, 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 when Nicodemus comes to talk with Jesus, you get this, right? You know that the Pharisees, they had issues with Jesus. And you understand that Jesus had some issues with the Pharisees. Read the Bible. There's some pretty heated conversations. But when Nicodemus walks up, Jesus doesn't say, Pharisee, I've got him in a category. I put him on a shelf. If he's going to hear the good news, it's not going to be from me. No, no, no. Jesus enters into a conversation with Nicodemus. It's the same like when he, when he goes and he, he gets with this guy, Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was lumped with sinners, not a good guy, bad guy. Jesus goes to Matthew, Matthew, why don't you come with me? Why don't we become the best of friends? And Matthew has a party at his house, and Jesus goes to his house, and all of these the Bible calls them sinful people came. See, I want to be like Jesus. But for Jesus, it was important to connect with people. People who were very different from Him. People who didn't believe what He believed. People who did not live like He lived. Or value what He valued. Jesus wanted to connect. And I want to be like Jesus. So Lena shared a poem with me, and I wanted to bring it to you today. So here it is. It was written by a 16-year-old girl named Amy Maddox. And Amy writes, she prayed. It wasn't my religion. She ate. It was not what I ate. She dressed. It wasn't what I wore. She took my hand. It was not the color of mine. But when she laughed, it was how I laughed. And when she cried, it was how I cried. The seven billion people who live on the face of this earth were all created by God, and we are all God's children. And it's not okay for me to say, 
This person is this. Therefore, I will shelve them over here. And if they hear this good news, it's not going to be from me. And it's not okay for me to make assumptions based on my best guess and decide for that reason that I won't be engaging in friendship with that person at all and they won't hear the good news from me ever. So Chad's going to come up and we're going to sing before we walk out the door today. Before we sing, I'm going to challenge you to consider writing down a name or two before you leave. So here's what I'm doing on Sunday night when people get with me in the atrium. We're talking about just helps or tools to help me be better about building friendships with people who are different from me. Living with my arms open. And one of the things that we do is we teach a little prayer. The prayer goes like this. God, bring someone into my life today. Give me the wisdom to see them and the grace to open my arms to them. Making room, making time, making space for them in my life. God, bring somebody into my life today. Give me the wisdom to see them because I believe God's bringing people into our lives every day. And the grace to open my arms to them. We're asking people to write those names down. Beyond that, we're asking them to begin to pray daily. Just keep a prayer journal about the people that God's bringing into your life. And then to become accountable to others about your relationships with those people. Here's what's interesting. Is that the chances are really good God's already brought somebody into your life. Right? Might be somebody from school. Might be somebody from work. Might be a neighbor. Might be a family member. Might be a friend. Somebody you bumped into at somebody else's party or house. Many of you right now. Are hearing the Holy Spirit whisper a name into your mind. A face has flashed before you already. So I'm asking you to write down the name and ask yourself this question. But more specifically ask God. God, are you wanting me to live with my arms open to this person? Is this one of the people? And just let God lead you by the power of His Holy Spirit because He is faithful. And He will. And that person may be very different from you and you may find it very uncomfortable. You no longer feel the freedom to pick and choose. But to be led by God's Spirit. See, we can talk about open arms for the whole month. But until we begin to actually do something and writing down a name on your phone or on the notes that you received when you came in this morning, it begins to change things when we actually start doing something. And so I'm asking you, before you walk out the door today, if God has put a name or two in your mind, write the name down and begin to pray about those names. God, are you wanting me to live with my arms open to these people? And what does that look like? Because you're going to have to coach me. I'm going to need help in this. So why don't we stand and sing before we go?
You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.